All right, guys, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. We're here with some special guests that we met when we were out in New Mexico. And we're not going to tell you guys a whole lot about it, but it was a crazy um, seminar that we went to and it was self-development. And we met these two awesome guys and Tony's going to introduce them. Yeah, this is Eric and Joshua Musman. Uh, these guys have been into so many different things. I'm not exactly sure where it started, but I know that they have restaurants, um, culinary experts, they do uh, Forex trading, and they have uh, a software that they've developed uh, for that and a brokerage as well. Um, they've got uh, rental properties, so they do a little bit of real estate investing as well. Um, on top of that, they do media too. So they've got uh, studios where they record commercials and things like that. Uh, these guys have so many businesses. I have an entire sheet here of all the businesses that were associated with uh, their names. Um, some of them very funny, Josh. Uh, and uh, so this, these guys are genuine. Um, they were fun to be around and uh, just really good guys. And uh, we, we met them and doing some personal development. Super excited to talk to uh, Eric and Josh Musman. Yeah, so if you guys want, uh, you guys say your name or raise your hand though, so people know which one's which. I'm Eric. Great to be here with you guys. I'm Josh. Thanks so much for having us today. Honored to be with you guys. Cool. So uh, for people who want to get into uh, starting entrepreneurship, get into business, small business, uh, want to get into real estate, want to get into Forex, how did you guys get started? What's your story? Like, how did you, how were you brought up? How did you get started? And then what advice do you have for those people? Sure. Yeah. You want me to start? Sure. Well, it's funny because I don't think it was much of a choice. <laughs> we, uh, we kind of, we were raised in a, a pretty, you know, typical home. My dad's an attorney. My mom uh, was a teacher and started a school and in our family, it, like college isn't a choice. It's basically like when you're done with high school, you go to college the same way that when you're done with eighth grade, you go to ninth grade. It just everybody in our family has always gone to college. Education has been really important. So I moved out of my house when I was actually 17 years old. I went to a school called University of Advancing Computer Technology and got two degrees in digital animation production and network engineering. And I was really into computers then. I was, you know, a little hacker. And I went to this school, got these degrees purely because I knew I could make a lot of money. If I got a job programming, great. I get out of school when I'm 20 years old, making a six-figure income. Sounds pretty good. So I went to school. I did, uh, you know, did okay. <laughs> Not great. Kind of got through it and realized I freaking hated it. I did not want to do what I went to school for whatsoever. I had, you know, $60,000 in student loans and degrees that I didn't ever want to use. And my whole way through high school and college, I basically bartended and worked in restaurants and things like that. So there I was kind of after college, moved back home to Tucson and just kind of didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Just kind of stuck and doing the same kind of thing, working in restaurants. And I knew I wanted to do something. I didn't want to be, you know, a 60 year old man bartending at a college bar. And my brother, 
who can talk about it a little bit, was kind of in the same thing. He got his real estate license, actually, and went to, was going to school. And none of us really wanted to do the things we went to school for. And we worked with, you know, worked in other places and did really well. I, I was a corporate trainer for a few restaurants. I traveled around and helped, helped them open new restaurants. And I think me and my brother both ultimately knew we were not going to work for other people <laughs> for long. I knew that at a very young age. And I've been fired from every single job I've ever had. So wow. <clears throat> I was a, a, a tell sign right there. I got to work for myself. <laughs> so one thing kind of led to another and we had to figure something out. We knew we would be successful. I think that that was part of it. We always, I didn't know how, I didn't know what I would do, but I knew I was going to be a millionaire. I, there was, it wasn't even a question. So it's, it was kind of like, we were going through the motions. We're trying to get things figured out. And one day we knew that we knew restaurants really well. We actually bought a house together at a perfect time, right before the real estate market really started taking off in 2007. So we had a bunch of equity in our house and we basically borrowed against our house to open the first restaurant. Back then, there was something called a kitty condo loan. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. It was a FHA loan, which basically stated if you're a full-time student and you had a full-time job, you could buy a house for little to no money down. So the first house, we paid $3,000 and we got into it. We brought on some roommates and instead of paying rent, we were paying the mortgage, right? So that was a lot of the startup capital and the equity, which allowed us to do other projects. So it was you know, perfect timing because it was right before the real estate boom. Uh, we bought back in 04 and 05, 06, our house doubled in value. And that was a lot of the initial startup capital for the restaurant. Wow. So, so we, did our we did our first restaurant, real small place, was only 1,200 square feet, I think. Had yeah. like eight tables, tiny little 34 place. 34 people. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, and we, we went to Italy actually and trained how to make pizzas. We were one of the first certified Neapolitan pizzerias in all the, of the United States, and the first one in Arizona. And we, it just took off, like from the start, we got a lot of good PR, everything like that. Then somebody approached us to do a second location. We did a second one. Then somebody approached us to do a third one, um, but it was too close to one of our other pizza restaurants. And we didn't want to cannibalize on ourselves. So we did a separate concept. And next thing you know, we're, uh, we had what eight yeah. in two different states, multiple different concepts from a ramen place to a live music venue to, I mean, you name it. We were doing yeah. all kinds of different Most things. Multiple locations for Vero More, Noble Hops. So lots of different concepts. We got a speakeasy. We just launched a wing concept. So business has been good and it's been a, a wild ride. We um, are about to hit our 16 year mark in business for owning restaurants. I've been in the industry for 22 years and Eric's coming up on what? Um, too many. Let's see, 26. Cause you're what? Four years old with me, bro. We've both been working restaurants since the time we were 16 and we've done every position in the restaurant. At least I have front of the house, back of the house. Eric was always more focused kind of in front of the house, customer service, bartending, training. Uh, I did that stuff, but I always preferred the kitchen because I love to cook. So, and really, our skills have complemented each other so nicely throughout 
this business endeavor because a lot of the things that I do, you know, Eric's not as proficient in and vice versa. And um, so it's worked out really well. Wow. So uh, Josh, are you like the one that started it and then like got Eric involved? Or like, are you the one that would like had the restaurant idea or was it the opposite? Or did you guys both think about it at the same time or like, you know, what was that like? So the story I remember, I don't know if Eric remembers it this way or not. So um, <clears throat> he, like he said, he's got two degrees, one in digital animation, one in computer networking. He was actually working at a college bar bartending and he came to me when I was in school studying political science. I was going to go to law school. Like my brother said, my father's an attorney. So I was kind of going to follow in the footsteps. And he said, do you really want to go to college or continue with college? And I said, no, not really. And he said, well, I think we should go into business together. I said, okay, great. What do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know, but <laughs> we should go into business together. I was like, well, let's figure this out. And then, you know, we can continue that path. <laughs> and then shortly after I turned, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> you guys need to chug more water like we damn, do. Damn COVID, <laughs> damn COVID going around. <laughs> um, so shortly after I turned 21, uh, I was out binge drinking with my buddies because that's what 21 year olds do. And there was a Mexican restaurant called Miko's. It was right by where the house that we purchased was. And so I was sitting there and I'd been drinking. I was telling my buddies, I said, I'm really craving a calzone right now. And they said, shut up, Mustman, eat your burrito. Like, we don't care. And I was like, no, 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 I really want a calzone. I was like, and there's no place around here to get one. And they're like, well, why don't you open a place? And because I was slightly intoxicated at the time, I was like, well, maybe I will. <laughs> I mentioned it to my brother and Eric's like, yeah, it's a great idea. But what do you know about Italian? And at the time, I didn't know anything. I'd always worked like fine dining, like Cannon Ranch, resorts, stuff like that. And he's like, why don't you... <laughs> Once you get that piece figured out, then, then we could chat. And my uncle actually lives in Seattle. So I went out to visit my uncle and he had this taste of Italy in his mindset. And he's taking me to all these little Italian restaurants. And finally he says, I'm going to take you to a certified pizzeria. And I said, what's that? It sounds like a gimmick. And he said, oh, I'll just try it. And I tried it and I fell in love with it. It was one of the best pizzas I had ever had. So I went and I talked to the chef and I was like, I want to learn how to do this. Is there a program? Is there a culinary institute? And he's like, yeah, there is. So I pretty much came home, mentioned it to Eric. I was like, all right, I found it. This is what I want to do. And Eric's like, great, let's do it. I'm on board. So. Wow. That's crazy. So. The other question that I had was uh, when you guys said other people approached you guys for like to start more, does that, does that mean like, you know, you guys opened it together with them or does it like a franchise kind of thing? Or like, what, what did that look like whenever people were approaching you and you guys were opening up more stores? And do you still like actively manage and have a, a, a seat on the management of those or all, are they mostly passive now where you guys collect? Uh, so we, we basically, to tie it into real estate, we've kind of done the same thing that people have done with like foreclosures and flipping houses with restaurants. We've gone to places where people have put a lot of money in our second location, for instance, guys put in, I think, what, 1.8 million, a couple million dollars into this restaurant, beautiful build out. I mean, top of the line, everything, $25,000 oven, brass finishes and just beautiful bar and everything like that. Went out of business in five months. Jeez. 
restaurant industry is the hardest industry in the world. It is, I mean, you hear things all the time, but I think what 90% mm -hmm. of restaurants fail in the first two years. Yeah. So and 80% within the first year. So. Yeah. So we, um, so then that leaves commercial landlords sitting there kind of like, okay, well now I got this beautiful built out restaurant and nobody to run it. What am I going to do? So that guy approached us because he liked our restaurant and we we're successful and making money and said, you know, why don't you guys come in? It's like a brand new restaurant. Give us a million dollars and you can take it over. And we just kind of laughed. So we're like, we're not a million dollars. We're not giving you a million dollars. We don't even have a million dollars, but we, why would I give you a million dollars? He's like, well, all of this stuff is almost new. And it's like, yeah, you know what almost new is used. And you know what used restaurant equipment goes for? Like pennies on the dollar. 10 cents on the dollar. So we'll come in. We negotiated a deal. We got this brand new, you know, $2 million restaurant for $100,000 with everything inside. And to answer your question, no partnership, nothing like that. Just signed a, a commercial lease for seven years. We get every single thing in the restaurant. And we paid it off, I think, in six months. Yeah, that one about a year. About a year for that one. The, the third restaurant we paid off in less than six months. Yeah, no hops. Wow. So those kinds of things, there's so many opportunities out there for people that know what they're doing that can come into a place because they, they need, you know, the last thing a commercial landlord wants is places to just fail one after another after another it's expensive for them it's a lot of work and it doesn't look good for their center so there's such a few amount of people that are running restaurants successfully and also looking to expand and grow right you put those two things together and we are we're unicorns out here there are very few because there's a lot of people that are successful with the restaurants but they don't want any more Mm -hmm. Or there's people that are barely, you know, barely hanging on and are really struggling. The, yep. There's a very few that fit our category that we're looking to do more and we know what we're doing and we're really good at it. So we got approached numerous times. I mean, we've turned down dozens, if not a hundred offers at this point of people with the same kind of deals coming to my center. You can take over this restaurant. I mean, amazing, amazing deals where it's like, you don't have to pay rent for two years. We'll give you $300,000 to do a build out this and that, you know, all kinds of things because we're in such demand. That's awesome. Yeah, it is yeah. interesting. It seems like in the beginning, you're always trying to find ways to uh, make money. And then eventually you get to the point where like, you know, that somebody's offering you to make money, but you have to turn it down because you're either making more money somewhere else, or it's just like, you could make money and you know, you could, but it's just like, nah, I'm not going to spend my time doing that. It's very interesting how it changes from like, in the beginning, it's all about just making the money. And then later it's like, nah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Even it's though so you know true. what it And that's the funny thing too. I mean, luckily we had that house initially to get us going because I remember Eric and I going into banks and, you know, we're two 20 something year olds and they're laughing us out like, oh yeah, you want a, you want a $600,000 loan for two, you know, 21 year old and a 24 year old. Good luck. And we're to do like, a restaurant. Yeah. To yeah. do a restaurant. Which, I mean, as Eric said, it's one of the hardest industries to be successful in. And part of the reason why most restaurants fail is they're undercapitalized. So you really have to have a nice nest egg to sit on until, you know, things go your way. Yep. I, I think, think what I was, 
What you said was so good, Dakota, I just want to touch on for a second, because I think it translates to everything, whether it's whatever kind of entrepreneur or real estate you're going to get into, it's just that mindset. It's the difference between that scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. And that that's the difference, right? At first, you're, you're nervous and you're, it's like, oh, is this going to work? And how am I going to do this? And then when it becomes an abundant mindset like that, you have people throwing money at you and you're refusing it. Well, and let me touch on that too, because you actually kind of asked that as a, a second part question, Tony, which is, you know, are Eric and I still involved in the day to day and it's systematic. So once you put those systems in place, no matter what business it is, ultimately you create, you know, a thriving business with a solid foundation and everything gets kind of handled. So I'd say 95% of it gets handled internally. There's a hierarchy they report to the stuff that floats to us is the stuff that's major. So we're still involved, but not to the point where we're back there cooking anymore, unless we have to be. I mean, there's, there's times where I'd still go back there and throw some pizzas if need be, you know, you got to wear many hats in this industry, but uh, for the most part, things kind of run itself. Yep. We got a good team of over 150 employees. So at this point it's a pretty big operation. Days. Yeah, I wanted to ask about, so I know you touched on it a little bit, but like, you know, why they fail. Um, I wanted to ask about like the margins. Cause you know, I'm thinking about like Italian restaurants and stuff like that. I'm like, man, like you're serving pasta and like, you know, it's like not really expensive stuff. Um, so like, you know, what does your margins looks like? I feel like there's like, you know, a ton of markup. Like why is it so common that they fail if like there's that much, you know, margins, I feel like. Well, it fluctuates, you know, right now, the biggest issue with restaurants is the supply chain. It's so hard to get product. I mean, you guys are probably seeing this even in the grocery stores right now. It's like, you know, there's empty shelves. Um, industry standard is 10%. We aim from anywhere from 15 to 18% to net. Um, Which is extremely low for a business. Restaurants yeah. have a razor thin margin. When you, know, you add it all together, because you got to factor in all the other costs. Yeah, that's just it. There's lots of variables, right? And I, I use this kind of metaphor and analogy a lot. You know, a lot of chefs come to me and they say, I should own a restaurant. I say, why is that? So well, I'm an amazing chef. And I said, yeah, I agree with you. You are an amazing chef. Why should you own a restaurant? Well, because I make good food. And it's like, that doesn't matter. That's why you should be a chef. Like, in order to be successful in business, you need to understand you know, from many different angles and all the elements. I mean, there's workman's comp, there's occupation costs, there's, you know, <clears throat> utilities, there's so much stuff that goes into it that people don't account for. And yeah. ultimately your numbers need to be in line. There's not a big margin for error. And if your number's out of whack, you know, it's lights out. So, yep. so uh, they say, uh, the, the people say, that you, <laughs> should, you should never do business with family. Mm. Uh, what do you guys have to say about that? It's so funny. Cause I've, I've heard that the entire time too. Cause we, we, not only is it just me and my brother after the second restaurant, it was, we had eight employees. It was just me and Josh doing everything. I mean, we were working 80 hour days or 80 hour weeks. Sorry. Felt like 80 hour days. <laughs> we're going to 80 hour weeks. Just like literally there were times we slept in the restaurant because we had to stay there so late and get back so early the next day that we'd literally like sleep on a booth and wake up the next day. And when we did the second restaurant, I was doing all the taxes. I was doing all the labor stuff. I was doing pay, you know, everything, all the ordering, the food ordering, the alcohol ordering, paying the bills. 
and it got to be way too much for me to handle with Josh running in the kitchen and me kind of doing that end of it. So we actually also brought in my mom um, to help out. Cause at that point it was getting pretty financially lucrative and uh, she said she would help us out. So she actually became our CFO. So our family runs deep in this now. It's my mom's the CFO and me and Josh running it. And it's so funny because I think that it's one of the best blessings that I could have asked for. We, we have a family dynamic where how many people trust their business partners to the level that me and my brother trust each other at, you know, I know that no matter what he does, he's not going to rip me off that. He's not going to, you know, do something crazy to, to jeopardize the restaurant. And he has our best interests at mind. A hundred percent. Same thing with my mom. I have a CFO that I know will never in a million years steal from me or do tax fraud or all these other things that you have to deal with in business. And it's been such an amazing gift to have that. And I, I attribute a lot of our success to it actually, because we know how to work together. And that's ultimately it. I mean, the, I think the underlying issue, what a lot of those people are saying is like, aren't you guys going to fight? Aren't you going to argue, you know, family together? And it's like, well, yeah, but you're going to do that with any business partner. You're going to do that with anyone, you know, with any situation. It's, do you know how to resolve issues? Do you know how to solve problems? And my family is like, I couldn't, I, I couldn't ask for a better family as far as the ability to solve problems, to troubleshoot issues and to persevere no matter what happens. Well, and the thing is a lot of those problems stem from, you know, the family dynamic when money issues, <laughs> there's struggles, you know, fortunate for us, we've been very lucky that our businesses have been very lucrative and they've been successful. So it hasn't had those same types of fights that some of these businesses it's like, all right, where are we going to get this money? Where, how are we going to, you know, do payroll next week when we don't have any money in the operating account and so on and so forth. So, well, you know, ultimately I think Eric touched on it and he, um, he said it beautifully and, you know, I trust my family a hundred percent. And because of that, you know, we've, we've done great things. So. Yeah. But now I say I've seen it go the other way though, too, where, you know, you talk about financial hardships, but at the same time, whenever you are making a lot of money and get lucrative, that's when you start to see that conflict happen a lot too. So like, that's more, you know, power to you guys and your family that that hasn't, cause issues because it goes both ways whether you're sure. going down that causes a lot of conflict and when you're going up that causes a lot of conflict too so uh yeah that you guys are making that much money and still been able to you know remember what's important is uh is pretty awesome well, so i wonder too uh because i see maybe something that you guys don't um or that you didn't touch on is that you'll you're both continually <clears throat> Uh, trying to grow and become the best versions of yourself. So we met you guys at a personal development seminar where you both went together. Um, some people thought you were married. <laughs> You're like, no, we're Add brothers. Peach blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, you guys both have this growth mindset, this abundance mindset. You're continually striving to become the best version of yourself. So um, you both appreciate personal development maybe individually or together. I don't know how this is going to uh, work, but let me just ask this question. It's not really even a question. I just want you guys to describe your personal development journey. Can I go first? Go for it. Uh, well, I mean, kind of what you said, Tony, it's, you know, I always want to be a better version of myself. And, 
that's in everything I do. You know, that's business, that's my personal life, that's relationships, friendships, everything. Um, and, and as far as, you know, business goes, I love the synergy around startup business, the adrenaline, getting a project and seeing it come to fruition. So that's why I love being a businessman and an entrepreneur. And that's why I continue to strive and do more things and do more businesses. I have so many people come to me and say, you know, why did you do all these things in 2021? And you kind of talked a little bit about it, but, you know, we have our algorithm for Forex trading. So a software company, we have a brokerage that we started. We launched a crypto coin and our own exchange and opened two restaurants in 2021. So the wing concept and a new noble hops. And it's like, I keep the eye on the prize and I want to continue to climb that ladder. And it's not even so much on the monetary value. It's just, I love business and I love, you know, spreading my wings and, you know, I want to mentor people and I want other, other people to grow with me and, and do big things. So um, for me, that kind of encompasses all aspects of my life, personal development. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys know, you guys know the importance of personal growth and development. I mean, I have, I've dedicated a good amount of my life. Even when I was really broke in college, I never let myself budget when it came to that area. If there was a book that I wanted to buy that somebody recommended, there was a seminar I wanted to take. I would never cut myself short with those. I would always make sure that I would do those, even if it meant that I wouldn't be able to go out with my friends or, you know, whatever else. That was an area that I always knew was important. And I think, it, you know, it's like anything. If you're not, if you're not growing, if you're not spiraling up and growing, then you're dying. You're going the other direction. It's a constant journey of getting better, becoming a better man, becoming a better boyfriend to, you know, the woman that I live with, to being a better brother, every aspect of my life revolves around trying to be the best that I can as far as business and personal. And I actually attribute a huge amount of our success to that mindset that just not, it, it's never, I don't want to say it's never good enough because it's good enough where we're at right now is great. And it's not that it's not good enough, but we can always do more. I can always give more. I can always contribute more. I can always do a better job in every area while I'm content with where I'm at at the same time. Yeah. So something that I always think about whenever we talk about things like this is like, uh, it's going back a little bit, but what, what would you guys like say about recommending college? You know, cause what I've seen is a lot of people who go to college, a lot of times it's like, all right, cool. I got my degree. Now I've done my self-education. I've got my I've arrived. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. And you know, like you guys have went on past that. And so, yeah, that's, that's basically my question is like, what do you guys think about college? And then obviously you guys believe in self-education and like, you know, is there a lot of people that you went to college with, I guess that you saw kind of stop at that point? Yeah. I mean, I'm a college dropout, so I didn't finish my degree. Um, and I think knowledge is power. So don't misconstrue my words because I think education is important. And I think for people that know exactly what they want to do in life, college is the best thing you could do. If you want to be a doctor, you want to be an engineer, you want to continue on and do a master's program, PhD, by all means, go to college. But a bachelor's nowadays is pretty much the equivalent of a high school diploma. And the amount of money that you're going to 
spend to get that, um, you know, just the student loans and the debt alone will set you back in life. So if you're just going for a bachelor's and that college experience, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't recommend it, but. It's funny. I, I heard Gary Vee talk about this the other day where a woman was at one of his, you know, talks with her son. And she's like, don't you think it's important for my son to go to college and this and that? And he's like, hell no. Why do you want your son to grow and get that experience? Send him to Europe for a year. He'll get way more rounded and way more, you know, it's, it's a different time. It's 30 years ago when our, when our parents, our grandparents were, you know, growing up, it was a different time. Cause you could get a, you could get a college degree. You get a job with a company that you have for 30 years. You get your Rolex watch at the end and you're, you're good to go for retirement and everything's all set. Those days are done. We have so many, man, we've had doctors, people with doctorates serve tables at our restaurants and work for us. We've had people with every kind of degree you can imagine. And it's really a different world now. I don't think college is the answer unless you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be some kind of scientist. I don't think there's any point. What are you going to do with an English degree? What are you going to do with a political sciences degree? unless you're going to go, you know, teach English or something like that. Even still, it's just a different time. And I think that the biggest fault of it is we're taking 18 year old kids and having them pick what they're going to do the rest of their life. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do the rest of my life when I was 18. I barely know what I want to do with the rest of my life. Now I'm 41. Like <laughs> it's crazy to put people and be like, okay, well you, you're done with high school, figure out the whole rest of your life now. And those opportunities just aren't there anymore. Yeah, it's mean, just those jobs aren't, it's not, it's a changing world. Well, it's cutthroat. You know, you're competing against other people in that same field. And it's like, if you have a bachelor's and they have a master's, who do you think is getting the job? Yeah. And, you know, these colleges are such financial institutions now and the amount of money they're charging, you know, it's just astronomical for you to try and pay down that nut especially being an 18 year old and saying, okay, well now I have $80,000 in student debt. How am I going to pay that off? Working a job where I'm making, you know, 15 bucks an hour, because a lot of these guys, once they get out of college, I mean, that's the entry level positions. So. Yeah. I always think it's cool to hear people though, that, uh, you know, like education, like learning, but then like, you know, sometimes thinks college isn't the best way, but always still learning and like continuing to do that. Cause that's something that I, you know, always believed. And, you know, it's funny because I never read a book in high school at all. And then after I graduated high school, then I just started reading like crazy. And then I really started wanting to learn because I got to choose what I wanted to learn. And I could learn about whatever I wanted to learn about instead of like, no, you're going to learn about this one thing and you need to choose one thing. And that's all you're going to do. I'm like, nah, I can't do that. I got to choose what I wanted to do and learn about, but it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that happened to so many of us. I mean, when you're forced to read something, you don't want to read. Yeah. Once you actually can pick up a book for yourself and be like, great, I really have interest in this, then you're going to be able to process and internalize that so much more. Yeah. Did you guys, you guys seem like the kind of people that uh, didn't get along with authority very well. Did you guys, was that you guys or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not necessarily that I didn't get along with it. It's that I questioned it. Yes. I think there was a lot of that. And even with school, it's like, okay, if you tell me why I need to know algebra two, I'll learn it and I'll take the class. But what am I going to do in life where I'm going to need to know 
algebra. I'm not going to be a scientist. I'm not going to go work for some pharmaceutical company. Why do I need to know these advanced equations? Why do I need chemistry? I'm not going to go be a scientist. If you tell me why, great, I'll learn it. But I don't want to learn it just because everybody else is learning it. Yeah. So I think it's kind of like, yeah, we had an issue with authority, but I also respected authority if it was like, look, man, here's here's why you should do this. I had mentors that would teach me things and and books like you're talking about that I read that I, I viewed them as authority. Like this is this is how things should be done. This makes complete sense to me. But so, I needed that that puzzle piece, you know, to do that. Yeah, but how much how much of that do you think actually attributes to your guys' success? Because honestly, I think that that mentality is what has helped me a lot because, you know, my teachers always told me, hey, you're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up, you know, like you're never going to get a job and like nobody's ever going to hire you because you don't listen to authority. But it's very similar. If it made sense, I'm like, cool, I'll follow it. So how much of that do you guys actually think is your success or is part of it? Well, you know, I definitely to fund authority i was suspended like 82 days of my senior year <laughs> i had to send a tutor to my house just so i could graduate and i remember it's interesting you said that dakota because that just takes me back my high school football coach i remember he pulled me in from the locker room one day and he just started ripping me apart he goes you're gonna end up in jail you're good for nothing yada 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 and um you know i was kind of like upset at the time because here i am i'm you know 16 years old and this guy's telling me that i'm basically a worthless piece of shit i don't know if i could say on your podcast if not sure. <laughs> i can edit it <laughs> and um so you know it was so interesting because i made a facebook post probably about four years ago and i said you know i wish i could say that this is an inspiration and that my high school football coach was so important in my life and saying that it believed in me that I was going to be this amazing thing, but it's actually that of the opposite. And today, you know, I got eight restaurants and over 200 employees. And last I checked, he's still a high school football coach. So, <laughs> you know, those who do do, and those who don't teach is what they say all the time. I mean, yeah. I think Eric kind of was touching on that a little bit earlier, but it's like economics, you know, financial planning. That's like, these are the things we should be teaching kids in school. But unfortunately, teachers don't know these things. And that's why they're teachers. Like if they actually knew how to make money and be successful, like, they probably wouldn't be like a middle school and a high school teacher. Yeah, no took offense, we need those people. I love those people. You know, they have big hearts to, to be able to do those things. But um, yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> thank you to all the teachers out there. And there's a lot of people that really know their stuff and are, and are teaching. It's just a matter of... <clears throat> It's, it's funny because it's a balance, right? I, I attribute a lot of our success to that, to we're going to make it work no matter what. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to, we're going to get it done, period. Yeah. And you guys know that I'd experienced that with you guys more than anywhere else in the world after working an insane amount of hours. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it, but just the whole, like, I'm, we're not going to quit. We're going to make this happen kind of a thing balanced with humbleness. I absolutely attribute our success to humbleness. I know what I know and I know what I don't know. The difference is I don't need to know a lot of these other things. I can't, I'm not a very good cook. I'm okay. But for somebody who runs restaurants and owns restaurants, I can't really cook, but I don't care because I know how to hire really good chefs and my brother knows how to cook. Same thing with all the economic stuff. I sit down with my accountant 
and they'll go over all these things and, oh, this new tax bill came out and this and that. And I'm like, look, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't really care. That's what I pay you for. You tell me what to do and I'll sign it. <laughs> like you, you just, you're the pro. And that whole understanding of like, I don't, I, I don't need to know everything. I'm okay not knowing everything. And, and I know that I don't. And keeping that humbleness as an entrepreneur, I think is one of the most important things you can possibly do. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic though that you actually mentioned is because I do think both of those are important. You have to like be willing to, you know, one, everybody has an ego. I, I always say that every good salesperson has an ego. Like you have to have some sort of like, you know, self-worth and a little bit of an ego to actually like do well, it seems like. But you also have to learn to control that all the time because you can't let it get too big to where you think that you're better. And then like, then you're just freaking killing yourself. And like, you know, like you're just hurting yourself so bad because nobody wants to do business with you anymore because now you think you're better than everybody else. So like, you know, keeping that balance is, uh, seems to be like one of the most important things in business, not listening to people, but then also like, Hey, like make sure that you're keeping your ego in check. Yeah. And so, Eric and I actually learned that lesson at a really young age, because when we first opened the restaurant, we were doing all the positions. I was the cook. I was the dishwasher. I was the prep cook. I mean, I was doing everything. Eric was serving, he was managing, he was running payroll. And it's like, all right, we need to stop this. We need to stop this focus because this isn't healthy. Number one, we can't be in all places at once. We need to rely on a staff. We need to actually train a staff. And for somebody that's working this, you know, $10, $12 an hour position, that's, that's not my position. I'm an owner. So once we were able to figure that out, you know, start delegating and trusting in people, that's what allowed us to do more businesses and expand. And, and Eric's right. I mean, anything that we can throw money at, to fix it by all means um and that's lessons we learned even like insurance always have more insurance than under because if something happens you don't want to cripple your operating account you know you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success in every area and every situation so so back to education for a second uh what would you guys recommend to people if they're like hey i want to get into personal development or I, I want to get into self-improvement, personal development, what are like three seminars, three books, three podcasts, what would you recommend for people? And then the second part of this question is what is the most insane or woo-woo or uh, craziest thing that you've done for personal development? So first, what would you recommend to people? And then what's the craziest stuff that you've done? We already know Eric's. <laughs> I still want him to share it though. How crazy you want me to get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us the craziest. So start, start with what you'd recommend to like the general population. Like, Hey, these are three things that you should do. Well, so it's so interesting. Cause I, I think it's, it's varied for each person depends where you're at in life. It depends what you need. It depends what, what's holding you back from being the person that you ultimately want to be. Is it, do you have fear? Do you have baggage around things that your parents have drilled into you do you have you know what what where do you feel like you need the biggest growth and I I split it up into six areas of life um and I won't get too much into it because I know we don't have a lot of time but the, in order to really be happy you need to make sure that every area of life is, is taken care of your family, your friendships and relationships, some kind of spiritual path I feel is important in one way or another, your career, 
you know, all these things. And if one is missing, you're not going to be completely happy. And if you're focused too much on one area of that, the other things will fall away too, right? If you're too focused on your career, your family's going to fall apart. If you're too focused on health and fitness and you're going to the gym 20 hours a day, like Jimmy, then other <laughs> things could happen in your life, right? So it's it depends on the person, but if I was just going to, you know, kind of overall, some kind of meditation technique, some kind of meditation practice, whichever aligns with you, whether that's mindfulness-based stress reduction with John Kabat-Zinn, that was one of the ones I started with, or whether you do a different kind of meditation regularly, I think is extremely important. There's a lot of different seminar groups out there, um, Sci seminars done all of their courses at this time, NLP, I'm a huge proponent in neuro-linguistic programming. I would recommend that to anyone. I actually was a trainer with them and traveled around doing seminars with them for a while. Books, uh, you know, anything, man, I could just start grabbing them from behind me, right? Like there's so much that's that can help you, but it, it, it's books are so much more classified. You know, I have some about becoming the, a great man, you know, and what's important about being a man. Would I recommend those to everybody? Absolutely not. Like, I don't, you know, my girlfriend doesn't need to read those. <laughs> the slight edge, you know, things like that mindset, things that'll get you in the right place. And then to finish up. So the craziest thing I ever did as far as personal growth, I mean, one was with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> that was just, I never want to do that again. <laughs> I'm so glad that I did. I'm super glad I did. And I met you guys, which makes it even better. You know, we got a family now and I love you guys. I went to, at probably one of the lowest points in my life, I was in bad relationships. I wasn't happy. And it was really tough because you see, I, I, I describe it as like, you see rock stars, you see these celebrities that end up committing suicide and everybody's like, man, this guy had everything. Why would he kill himself? You know, he's famous, he's rich. He has everything he wants. Why would you kill yourself? You know, the, it's crazy. And I was at a place where I was kind of feeling like that. It's, I was setting these goals for myself and I was hitting them and thinking they were going to bring me happiness and they didn't. And that's ultimately what it is, right? When you're, if you're a rock star and you think that once you have a platinum record, you're going to be happy and then you actually get it and you're not happy, it takes the wind out of your sails even more than if you don't hit the goal. At least you have something to blame then. So with us, I wasn't, I wasn't happy for a while with, with my business, with my life in general, dating people that I shouldn't have been dating, not great relationships and said, you know, if I could just date a model, then I'll be happy. So then I would, I dated a model and I wasn't any more happy. If I just had a million dollars, if I could be a millionaire, I'll be happy. Became a millionaire, wasn't happy. And I got to this point where it's like, every time I set a goal, I'd hit it and I would be even more miserable almost. So I went to Peru out to the middle of the Amazon jungle for a month working with the shaman, doing ayahuasca ceremonies and different plant-based diets and um, plant diets where you're sitting in a hut by yourself for a week with no human contact, drinking 
crazy things and throwing up nonstop and just absolute chaos. That was definitely the craziest, most intense personal growth kind of thing that I did. It was also the best thing I ever did in my life. It really brought me back and reestablished that connection to my fellow man, to what this world is actually about, to what you can create. It really taught me that I can do anything. And it helped me kind of put everything in relation. So that's more of an extreme personal growth that I don't know if I'd, ex- you know, tell everybody to go do right away. <laughs> it's the best thing that I ever did though. And I know a lot of other people that feel the same way that, you know, people from severe PTSD to um, addictions, it's one of the best ways that I've seen to, to get rid of like a heroin addiction where most people that end up being addicted to heroin end up dying. Ayahuasca is absolutely the answer for a lot of people and it helped me a lot. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent, proponent of it. Josh, what about you? Your craziest thing? <laughs> well, you got to give us all the, uh, all the stuff. You follow that, you, that up sucker. Yeah. All the books or anything. <laughs> it's like, that it's like a mic drop. <laughs> what would you, what no. would you recommend to somebody who's looking into personal development, self-development and they, they, uh, they need to know like the main three, the main six, the, the main ones that they need to do or that they should do. And then what's the craziest thing that you've ever done in terms of personal development? Um, well, you know, I think Eric kind of touched on it. Um, I really like Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, Eric and I went to a seminar of his and, you know, we're both kind of seminar junkies, but, um, it's amazing what that man's accomplished. And he, he wrote a book called Becoming Supernatural. And mm. I think it's an amazing, probably one of the best books I've ever read, uh, hands down. And I really like his meditations. Um, as Eric said, you know, Psy, <laughs> here's a plug, NLP, or Dr. Joe Dispenza, sorry, NLP, um, Psy. Uh, I really like Huna. Eric didn't really touch on Huna a whole lot. That's in Hawaii and it's um, kind of a part of NLP. Um, you know, ultimately it's a journey that somebody's got to decide if they want to go on. I mean, we're all kind of in this together. We're these, you know, energetic sources and beings. And, you know, if that's something that you want to dive into, I think by all means you should. Uh, with that being said, you know, it's not for everyone. You know, as you guys kind of said, some of this stuff is a little woo-woo and it's like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. So I think meditation is definitely for everyone though. And just to collect your thoughts and kind of stay grounded um, definitely helps me throughout the week and on my day to day. So my path. What's the craziest? Craziest thing I've done for personal development. I don't know. (laughs) It's all kind of crazy, right? It <laughs> is. You go to these seminars. <laughs> it's all kind. If you tell people some of the stuff that, like, just just in PSI alone, is like, what? Like, if you actually said it in words, like, dude, it's some weird stuff. Yeah, no, it, it is, and you know, especially the men's leadership one was probably the craziest of all the size. Um, but you know. <laughs> Nothing's really crazy, right? It's just it's just day to day and going through the motions. It's all relative. Yeah, it's all relative, yeah. and it's probably a pill you need to take at, at that point in time, you know. So, 
Um, but yeah, I'd say probably some of the size seminars that we've been, you know, in this together. Uh, but it was amazing battles that we we conquered. So I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. What about what about you guys? You guys haven't been talking much. What's the craziest? Have you guys elaborated on that ever? It's the craziest uh, personal growth thing you've done. No, I mean, I would definitely say for me, it's definitely MLS. I mean, I'll give people, well, I don't want to give too much away, but man, I can just say <laughs> that we were up until four in the morning and then got back up. I wouldn't go to bed till about 4.30, got back up at six and uh, just say we did labor, physical labor, which I've not done for years uh, for worked for, I think it was like, 18 hours or something like that like 18 hours that day and so that was pretty nuts so that well, was look at you now you can uh, operate a tractor man yeah dude that is that crazy is. i forgot about that they just like <laughs> let me get into some big excavator thing and then i was like hey jimmy how's this thing work he's like here you go i'm like all right cool this thing's like a video game and i got just like moving that stuff around and then like we're driving through rivers and stuff i'm like dude that was that was pretty dangerous especially like three in the morning like terrible idea in the morning I'm like all right go grab me a coffee i've never done this before yeah, <laughs> yeah i think i think si was the uh the most crazy thing that i've ever done as far as woo woo stuff goes i get a little scared when it comes to i i have i have a lot of issues with anxiety and that sort of thing so i struggle when it comes to like the spiritual side especially like with drugs i get even more anxious and I feel like I would end up on like experiencing more of the like, you know, mystical hell. Uh, if I was to do more of like the ayahuasca type activities. So I, I'm an expert at suffering, just being a wrestler. I've been through like, I, there was a Ken Shirto's gold medal Olympic wrestling camp. We did three, two hour practices, but those were like, tear you down, beat you up, destroy you, go back, try to repair as best as you can, come back, and it was just five days straight. That's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and then the men's leadership seminar was second to that, but uh, trying to get some sleep um, when it was as freezing cold as it was, that was pretty difficult too. <laughs> I, I was very miserable. <laughs> I couldn't find any dry wood. <laughs> You know, it, it's definitely helped shape who you are because I have a similar background. You know, I was a wrestler. I played football. Eric wrestled as well. So, you know, that contact sports and that, you know, that drive that they kind of instill in you as a young age, the willingness to, you know, endure pretty much any amount of pain and come out on the other side, um, I think has made us all successful because of that. You know, a lot of that is the ego, but it makes you prideful, right? Self-pride and pride in, in what you do. So, yep. And then one other thing that uh, I wanted to touch on real quick, I wrote down just because you were talking about it was basically like, yeah, like you can't, you can't actually help other people who don't want to be helped. I actually heard that on, I don't know, something that I was watching on Instagram or something, but I thought it was very interesting. And like that, hopefully our viewers always keep in mind is like, don't just try to like, you know, force somebody to help themselves. Cause like at the end of the day, sure. You can recommend the book. You can try to give them the seminar and stuff, but if they don't want to help themselves, you cannot help them. But the interesting thing is the opposite is not true. If somebody doesn't want to go down, you can still bring them down, 
like you can still put them down to where like they will like, you know, second guess their decisions or not do certain things because of your influence. So I always thought that was interesting. It's like, if somebody doesn't want to come up, this like, seems like there's nothing you can do to bring them up if they don't want to help themselves. But if you, if you like go to bring somebody down, man, like you could say something and they just decide not to do something based on what you said. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Hmm. I mean, it, it goes to, to really being careful about choosing your tribe. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you are the sum of the people you spend the most time with. You just are. If you if you hang out with five millionaires, you're going to be a six millionaire. Yep. You hang out with people that are unhappy. You're going to be unhappy. It, it, it's really true. We are interconnected in ways that I think that we don't understand and that science is just kind of exploring through quantum physics and, you know, laws of entanglement and all these things like that, where we are so connected, we don't really understand it. And that I think is a start for everybody if they really are just even getting into this, just looking at who you're around. You know, sometimes people are like, I'm so unhappy. I think I'm depressed. And it's like, well, are you depressed or do you just hang out with really unhappy, miserable people all the time? Yeah. Like, what's your environment? Like, you, you know, do you hate your job? Do you hate everything? Yeah, then you probably should be depressed. <laughs> I'd be depressed too. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll try to get into some ending questions here. What do you, what is your guys's why each one of you, what's your why? It's my why. What's my wine? What's my why for what, what, why I do what I do life. <clears throat> <laughs> Just a quick question. That's a pretty deep <laughs> question. I got Tony starts by we're gonna end with this. Well, okay. You want, you want the two-minute version or the 25-minute version? Your whole life um, on why you're here. What's the meaning of life, Josh? Just real quick. We got 30 seconds. I think, I think it would be, I think it would be like more why you do what you do, because that, yeah. that's kind of what I think of when I think of it. Yeah, I mean, why I do what I do well. You know, as I kind of said earlier, is um, I love to help people. I love to mentor people. Those that want to be mentored. It's so funny because I had this conversation with uh, Mark, who's one of Eric and I's business partners and all these things that Eric and I have both been a mentor to. And he said, why don't you mentor more people? And I said, well, number one, not everyone wants to be mentored. And number two, I don't want to mentor people that don't want to actually change themselves for the better. I don't want to waste my time. So it's like, if someone actually wants, you know, answers the questions, I'm, I'm happy to sit down and talk to anybody, but you know, don't waste my time. Don't waste your time. So as far as why I do what I do, um, I guess, because I don't know what else to do, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I love business. Uh, I love traveling. I love working with family. Um, I love lamp. I love life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, cheers. Well, I, I think probably, one thing, if nothing good. else, if nothing else, I think one thing that your listeners should really be thinking about is my why always is a move towards energy as opposed to a move away energy. Right. And I think that that's so important that people differentiate between the two. If you're moving towards something, you're going to keep going. Right. If your motivation is to be healthy, 
you're going to keep going to the gym. You're going to, you're going to wake up. And when you feel like you don't want to go to the gym, you're still going to go because your why is being healthy. If you make your why and move away from like, I don't want to be fat, right? As soon as you're not as fat anymore, you're going to stop going to the gym and then you're going to get fat again. You hear about yo-yo diets and things like that. And that's how a lot of people are in life where they have something they want to, I don't want to be broke. Cool. Well, now that you have a little bit of money, you get lazy. And then next thing you know, you're broke. And then you're like, I don't want to be broke. And it just keeps happening. So my why is different in every area of life. You know, there's a different why for my business side as, as opposed to my relationship side. My why though for business, since that's what we're talking about, is to help other people. It really is to make the world a better place, to make an impact, to have fun. I mean, fun is a big value for me. I love doing the stuff I do. I love, I get up in the morning and I have a meeting. I don't dread it. I'm like, cool. I get a meeting where I get to pro, you know, problem solve and I get to figure out how to make another million dollars or how to do this or how to do that. Like it's fun. It's a game. My why really revolves around freedom, being able to, I have this life that I can do whatever I want. I travel all the time. You guys know, I mean, I'm always, I'm always, I'm gone more than I'm home. And my why is, is I think about it all the time because that's what keeps you going at those times where you don't want to get out of bed or when you are dreading doing the next thing. So personally, my why is definitely towards becoming a better person, making a difference and ultimately helping others. Because if I want to help other people, I need to be in a really solid spot. I can't give money to other people if I don't have a ton of it. I can't give time to other people if I don't have a ton of it to give away and things like that. So that's ultimately my why. Awesome. I'll say, I always yeah. feel like it's hard to uh, show other people, you know, the way to do it. If you haven't done it yourself either, you know, cause nobody's going to follow you. If you guys don't show them that, Hey, I know how to do this at the same time. You know, you got to show that you are an authority or that you can actually help them too. Cause you know, if you're some guy on the street and you're freaking homeless and you're like, Hey, come follow me. I know what I'm doing. Like, dude, show me, you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, lead by example. And Eric was talking, you know, about owning your own time. I mean, that's ultimately freedom, right? Being able to do what you want to do and to create and passive income is definitely the way to be able to do that. I mean, we both love traveling. Both of us had a goal that we actually discussed when we were like first starting out in business and that's to travel to every country before we die. And uh, my brother and I have been all over the world together and, you know, it's made us stronger bonds and, you know, love for the fellow man and, uh, and helped our businesses. Yeah. It's, it's been a great life. I mean, it's I mean, been good culture and it's definitely helped our business. We've seen things in other countries that we brought back. I mean, one of our, one of our most successful restaurants, we got ideas from it when we were in Turkey and Greece we went to some bar off the side of the road and saw some really cool stuff in there. And we're like, Hey, we should do something like that. I mean, traveling is so important. Yep. I definitely think that it helps uh, put a perspective too. I've noticed that is like, you know, I was, I feel like my mind like expands every single time I travel every single place I go, because like, you know, whenever you're in a small town, you really do think that that's all that there is. And you don't realize it, dude, there's a lot more going on. And it helps put into perspective, like what's possible. And then also like, dude, like you are capable of a lot more, but also you're pretty small in the grand scheme of the world. You know what I mean? Totally. So like it, it helps put everything into perspective. 
Well, and it makes you appreciate things too. I mean, Eric yeah. was talking about when he was in Peru and, you know, he's living with these shamans and these small tribes. And it's like, you know, they don't even have like electricity. So like you get back and that's kind of what we experienced as well. And kind of MLS is it's like, Oh man, just these little things, a bed. That's amazing. Heat, <laughs> lights, a hot shower. Like it makes you appreciate things. Um, you know, don't, don't take life for granted. And, uh, you know, definitely experience it to the fullest extent. Yeah. You guys have had uh, an enormous amount of success and you guys seem to have it all going on, but what is your biggest struggle right now? Doing podcasts. <laughs> I feel like I just really don't know what I'm doing on them a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> these, my these, biggest... these ending questions. <laughs> um, there's always... It's really funny because, I mean, even just after you saying that, I think about it more and it's like my problems are so insignificant compared to most. And I always keep that in check. It's like, you know, we're struggling right now with some business stuff because of uh, we, we have a lot of international companies and things like that where our team in Mexico isn't doing exactly what we need them to be doing and things like that. That's a struggle for us. But it's like, how can I, how could I even con, con, like conceive that being a problem when other people's struggles are, how are they going to put food on the table, right? And things like that. So we have struggles for sure. There's always a struggle, but actually I wouldn't even call it a struggle. It's just challenges. It's things that we're going to overcome. It's things to work on. Yeah, so right now, I mean, it, it, and that's, I think perspective is a really big part of that because other people... I mean, how many times have you heard people be like, 2020 was the worst year ever, 2021, I hated that year, when's it going to end? For me, those were like some of my favorite years. I love 2020. I love 2021 because it was such an opportunity that I got to go and, and travel to places that, I mean, I was in Mexico City where it would take three hours normally to drive from one part of the town to another, and we would get around in a half an hour because there's no traffic because of COVID. I mean, it's such an opportunity. So I try to like take those quote unquote struggles and, and think, are they really struggles? I mean, it, with, we're, we're in the restaurant industry. No industry got hit harder from COVID than restaurants. We literally were just like the grunt of all of it. While Walmart and Costco are still open, they're like, oh, COVID numbers are up, close restaurants or put them to go only or only let them do patio seating or this and that. We were always the ones getting it. But for us, we didn't view it as a struggle. We viewed it as a challenge and like, well, what, what can we do? How can we think outside the box here? We did unique things. Like instead of using DoorDash and Uber Eats, we took our staff who couldn't work because we weren't allowed to serve inside. So our bartenders, our servers and busters, and we, we asked them if they want to go take deliveries. So instead of paying a third-party company, we're paying our own staff to go do deliveries and take food to people. And because of it, and because of that mindset, our struggles ended up being huge opportunities for growth. And we actually are making more money with our restaurants now than we ever have before. We're more successful through this pandemic than we were before it. And majority of restaurants closing the doors and lights out or they don't know how they're going to make ends meet. So you know, Eric said it, you know, think outside the box, right? 
and face any any fear and conquer it so um well and labels are important right if you call it a struggle what does that tell your unconscious mind i mean what does that tell you whereas if you tell it like hey this is just something we got to work on this is just a goal this is a this is an opportunity yeah that's what jimmy always calls it an opportunity an opportunity right it's it it just changes the whole dynamic yeah yeah it does what for each one of you what is your superpower you can go first what is my superpower i think my superpower is being able to relate to anybody i can have a conversation with any different kind of person from any different kind of background. I've had amazing conversations with people all over the world from, you know, people that are more poor than we can even imagine who don't even, you know, who have dirt floors in their house to billionaires and everybody in between to, you know, I can have a conversation with some little Asian girl down the street or with an 80-year-old African-American couple who's super religious, I can relate to anybody. And I think that that's been such a huge opportunity because those relationships are so big for learning about where people are coming from and, and how to kind of help each other and how to take care of each other, which in our industry is so important. And it also, when issues ever do come up, whether it's my team in Mexico that I have to have a tough conversation with, or whether it's at one of my restaurants, maybe a employ an employee or a customer isn't happy about something, I can relate to them on a different level and create rapport so they know that I'm actually there to help them and I actually care. I think that that's been a huge superpower that's helped me in life. Josh, what's your superpower? <clears throat> well, I mean, his ability to grow a beard. <laughs> grow that I'm really good at uh, teleporting. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because I was kind of thinking about what my response would be. And, um, you know, in some ways, what Eric said, I, I think I see that in myself being able to kind of fit into any type of scenario. But really, I, I don't view it as a superpower. I mean, I think we're all equals, right? And one of my mentors always says, you know, don't put me on a pedestal. We're all on the pedestal, right? We're all, we're all human. We're all capable of doing everything that anyone else is capable of doing. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just a normal guy, just like anyone else. So, um I have a set of skills that I'm good at and there's stuff that I'm not. So I'd say if I'm going to answer it for you, then I think that your superpower is problem solving. I've seen you come up with solutions to things that barely anyone else on the planet would have come up with. I mean, thinking outside the bus, we're talking about a guy here. Josh is notorious for switching cars regularly. He's probably had what 30 different vehicles in your life. Well, more than that. 50? A hundred different vehicles. The only guy I know who could buy a car for like $8,000, drive it, you know, for a year and put 20,000 miles on it and then sell it for $2,000 more than he paid for it originally. 
Like he makes money. They say that like cars are a liability, not an asset. He's made so much money off vehicles. It's ridiculous. And things like that, or we, we converted a fire truck. We have a food truck. that's a fire truck that we mounted a wood fired oven on that Josh actually went, bought a, a HVAC vehicle, right? Or a, what was it? Hazmat, hazmat, hazmat vehicle, yeah. a hazmat truck from Fairfax, Virginia, mounted a wood fired oven on it, drove it back here. And that truck that's cost us, I don't know, maybe $50,000 to build out has generated half a million. Yeah. Sometimes that. <laughs> I mean, things like that, just completely outside the box ideas and problem solving, which has been a huge asset to all of us. So. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you're just as good at that kind of stuff too. I mean, no. it's the creative mind. I think you think that, I think people think that. Like, I feel oh, like that too. Everybody Dude, I've, I've actually, I've noticed myself doing that. I've literally noticed myself doing like thinking that everybody, like every time I go to speak, I'm like, dude, everybody knows this. I'm not, I don't need to tell them about this. I don't need to tell them about that. Like, and then I start to think that like everybody's used to like hearing these numbers. Then I realized, dude, like not everybody does hear this. And like, I need to share and like what I have to like share is important and I'm actually providing value, but I forget. Cause I feel like everybody's experienced the same thing that I've experienced. I think that yeah, everybody think has the potential to, because I know the potential's yeah. there, because I, I relate to what you're saying a lot, Josh. is like, dude, like, I'm not special. Like, I do think I'm, I have special gifts, and, like, you know, there's certain ones that are given to me, but I also think that everybody is special and has something to give. And so it's interesting that, like, you know, like, you are special, but then everybody else is special too, you know? Yeah, 100%. So, uh... In 60 years, you guys got the last COVID variant and it's terminal. <laughs> You're at the end of your lives and you have a final mantra saying or message to the world. This is going to be your legacy. It would be like one sentence, one paragraph, some message that's meaningful to you that you think the world needs to hear. What is your last message? What's your legacy? 60 years so i'm 101 years old with COVID. <laughs> josh didn't make it as long because he's a better cook i'll be 97 pretty good josh <laughs> man i guess i mean as a message to other people i guess i would just want them to it's so difficult, right? Because you can say things and, and it's like they say that like when the, when the student is ready, the master appears, there's so many things that if you say, if somebody's not ready to hear it, they're not going to hear it. Right. Or they're not going to hear it in the same way. So something for, for everybody, I think I would just be a message along the lines of, of just, I, I wish people could understand how connected we all are, how we're all in this together, how a lot of us think that, you know, so many people are so unhappy or so many people think that they're not doing a great job because they compare themselves with other people. It's so easy to go on my Instagram or on my Facebook and go, man, this guy has it so figured out. He's just killing it. And I'm a total mess and I suck at life and this and that. When in reality, none of us know what the hell we're doing. 
none of us. Some people are a little bit better and some people have different attitudes, but we're all just trying to be adults. We don't know how to be adults. One day we just grew up and it's like, oh man, well, I was playing in the park yesterday and now I guess I got to pay a mortgage and have freaking, you know, go to the dentist and make my own appointment because my mom's not going to make it for me anymore. Like, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're all just trying and we're all just ultimately, I think that this, this world is a school that we've decided to come to and learn lessons. And we're all just on our own path. We're trying to learn. We're trying to do the best we can. So take care of each other, be forgiving to each other because everybody is just doing the best that they can. Everybody is struggling. Everybody is, is, has their own issues and has their own things that they're trying to work on. Just have a little bit more love, have a little bit more understanding towards each other. Something along those lines, I guess. I don't know. And one line, it would be hard to say, I guess, but I'll, <laughs> that was just a long years sentence. to write it. Yeah, that was yeah. a long sentence. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have a huge gravestone. It's just going to yeah. keep going. <laughs> We're all kindergartners in the classroom of life. Be kind. There and you go. Love share, it. Share Perfect. your crayons. I would say smoke cigars, drink whiskey, <laughs> and always eat the cookie. Always <laughs> eat the cookie. <laughs> that's the last thing that's going to work. That goes along the, the same lines of Joshua's LLC names that I was looking at. <laughs> I get it, though. He just means enjoy life. That's what he means, you know? Absolutely. Live life. Embrace, embrace the feminine. Well, no regrets, right? I mean, life's too short. And we don't know if we're going to be 101 or 97 or you're going to live one more day, but, you know, bask in it, enjoy it. Eat that cookie. And if you find out that the cookies, you know, from Italy end up being better cookies, maybe spend some time learning from the people who make the better cookies, create a business, you know, cookie business. (laughs) There you go. Italian cookie business coming soon. (laughs) Uh, what final thoughts do you guys have for our listeners? Always eat the cake. <laughs> <laughs> Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated like Dakota. Drinking water is one of the most important things. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it's just, you know, keep keep listening, not to not to, you know, kiss up to you guys or anything, but keep listening to, to things like this. Instead of watching Netflix right now, you're listening to a podcast with people that are discussing ideas, with people that are, you know, brainstorming and, and figuring out how to, how to make their lives better and how to change the lives of other people. It's, it's so important to kind of, I think we're in a world right now where you have so much opportunity and so much freedom to kind of do whatever you want, like with the internet and with everything we can we, you can go and spend 12 hours looking at pictures of cute puppies on the internet if you want or you can learn another language or a musical instrument and it's just kind of like pick and choose how you spend your time very wisely and try to have some kind of discipline with even just a little bit it's okay to go look at those cute puppies but take a little time out listen to podcasts like this learn from people read a book do things that are going to help you on this journey. Yeah, I would say, you know, definitely masterminding and connect with nature. You know, mm. so many people forget the elements. 
and it, it grounds you and it brings you back to, to life. So, you know, go out and hug a tree. Go camp by yourself for two days. <laughs> Make sure you do it when it's like 20 degrees outside. <laughs> Don't leave a 12 by 12 foot section. <laughs> how, can, uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you or where can they go to find you or connect with you? Don't. We don't want to talk to you. Right. <laughs> That's fair. No, uh, uh, you know, we're both on uh, Facebook. Um, you know, I don't want to just like sit here and plug all my businesses on, on your podcast, but sure, why not? Yeah, uh, Moray, Noble Hops. Um, it's Jam Culinary Concepts. So if you go to jamculinaryconcepts.com, that's our family of restaurants. Higher Level FX is our software company. My brokerage FX is my our, broker FX. When I say my broker, sorry, my broker FX, it's been a long day. My broker FX is our brokerage. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're out there. We're in the, uh, the social media world. So Joshua Musman, M U S S M A N. And Eric with an A, A R I C Musman. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Tinder, Grinder, <laughs> farmersonly.com. <laughs> What about uh, uh, fan, only fans? Only fans. Only fans. <laughs> <laughs> Look up Musman. Well, we do have some XXS exclusive. Oh, that's Josh. Never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. That was a lot. You guys did your guys digging. About. You guys yeah, I got Pimp J, Pimp J Media. Yeah, we don't. What, that's, did you guys find my rap sheet too? All my. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw. No I, saw I saw Eric's uh, like for a couple of years it was just speeding ticket after speeding ticket i was like dude you need to slow down he still gets Man. those yeah the, my lawyer was supposed to quash all those and make those not how do you think we uh get the get the tenants get the right tenants you know in these houses i gotta be decent at research otherwise i'm not doing my job <laughs> Well, sweet guys, right. thanks, well, thanks time, so much. I come prepared. I'm gonna do my homework on YouTube. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for coming on. We really do appreciate you guys. Hey, hey love you guys. you guys. Love you guys. Cheers. Thank you so Sir. much for having us. Keep up the good work.